He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weber back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet. Put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Mr. Sean Cunningham, ABC 10. What's going on, Sean? James, you know, it was funny. I was coming out of this weekend of just awful Kings basketball. And I was like, all right, the best way is just to move forward, cleanse my mind, and just focus on what lies ahead with this team. And I woke up this morning and I was like, Son of a, I got to talk about this team with James today and rehash all of it. So I, I don't live like me. I mean, I, I can't, I can't, I'm trying, I had a strategy and I, I just totally blew it. Yeah. We just keep dragging it back up, drag it up. Now, Sean, like, look, we had some good and some bad this weekend. I, I thought that there was some incredible moments for this team, but also just, you know, a typical Kings moment that reminds you of the team you're covering. And so uh, we're going to get deep into all of that. We're going to talk some Marvin Bagley. We're going to talk uh, Live by I the Buddy. A tone. I sense a tone there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's fine. We're going <laughs> to we're going to dig into <laughs> Live by the Buddy, Die by the Buddy. Uh, Luke King made an appearance. Uh, all kinds of good stuff to talk about. But we're going to start with this. Sean the Kings beat turned one month old and is there cake. Do we get cake? Uh, if I had cake here at the house, maybe I'll have Sarah make you a cake. She is a cake maker extraordinaire. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is a new journey. And to be honest with you, I think all of you it's, it's been an amazing run so far. If you're listening to the podcast, I highly recommend that you subscribe to the Kings beat. So then that way you get the podcast sent directly to your inbox in the morning, whenever it goes out, as soon as it goes live, we send it out uh, via the Kings beat. Plus you get the writing and all kinds of other stuff. Also for the, uh, the incredible premium subscribers, they are getting the first Kings beat happy hour, which is this coming Thursday from five 30 to seven. If you have not become a premium subscriber yet, I've already sent out the invites. It's going out to these people who have jumped on board and are supporting this new venture. And I'm super excited about that. Um, But we're going to do more of them. And it's going to be something that if you want to jump on board, you'll have access to. Uh, But it's going to be a sort of no holds bar hour, hour and a half of uh, people dropping by or staying for the whole time. I think, Sean, I'm going to make an old fashioned or two. Oh, and, uh, and drink an old fashioned or two. Um, and I am. I should be. Should be right. Like, because in in new situations, you never know. But I should be completely off that day, so I might get. Uh, might I might kick back a few virtually with. It's always fun. I can't. I'm looking forward to it because you know it's one thing to do something on TV and have people say, "Oh, I really like what you work." But lately, it's been, "Oh, I really like this podcast," and I'm like, "Wow, these people are listening to this podcast." So it like blows my mind in the way that you know is different from the whole, Oh, I seen you on TV or, you know, I like what you do at ABC 10 or we've seen stuff digitally. Uh, it, it always blows my mind when we start something new and it's like fresh and, 
and people are taking notice. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what people have to say, both the good and the bad. Someone needs to roast me. They need to drag me because people are being too nice and I'm not used to it. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it was funny, Sean. I, I did TV work for six years. Like nine out of 10 people who approached me at the arena always said one thing. I love the podcast. So whatever it is, the podcasting medium, it seems to strike a chord with people. And it's always something that people are, are drawn to, which I, I find intriguing to me. Uh, it, to me, it's long form journalism. We're able to digest and sort of regurgitate and spit out this, this entire, you know, we, we, we're able to dig into, into topics that we, we normally can't dig into in a specific way. And so I, I think it's, it's an awesome place to start. I, I think podcasting is, is absolutely amazing. And so again, if you're a, a fan of the podcast so far and we're like, the downloads have been crazy. I'm super excited about how the podcast is doing. Um, but make sure that you're a fan of the King's Beat as well because then you get it sent right to you. And there could come a point where we, uh, we shut the faucet off on some of these podcasts and hide them behind the King's Beat paywall and you want to make sure that you know when that's happening and all that. So that's out of the way. Uh, Kings beat one month old, uh, join us for the happy hour. If you got the invite, you'll get the zoom link on Thursday, uh, five 30 to 7 PM Pacific standard time. And we'll sit here and chat and, uh, you can, you know, send us your questions too. So we can go through some of that, uh, leading into it. So Sean, okay. So let's hit this. Let's hit the ground running when it comes to this, this team, I thought of probably the last five years, maybe even a little bit longer, Friday night's victory was one of the most gutsy performances that I've seen from this Sacramento Kings team in a long time. And mm -hmm. it's not that I think that the Lakers are just incredible, but they still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook and like so many Carmelo Anthony, so many other players that are seasoned veteran NBA players that know how to win games. And the Kings didn't go away. They, they dropped down. They were down by 12, I think in the, in the fourth quarter, they came all the way back. They dropped down by eight or 10 in one of the overtime sessions. They came all the way back and they got the win. Just what were your initial thoughts on what you were seeing in that game on Friday uh, when they, you know, traveled down to Staples and took out the Lakers? Well, it's funny because you mentioned just the talent that's on the Lakers and everyone talks about them being long in the tooth. And I think for me, it was finally a moment. I had done it already, but they've been involved in some battles. I think this was their fifth overtime game. I remember seeing a couple of the overtime game. I mean, obviously the, the Pacers game the other night was a really fun game to watch from a, from a competitive standpoint. And then, you know, they follow up, they follow up that Kings game and they go down to the wire with a, with, with the uh, just last night too. So, I mean, in watching them, I know there's still people that think that this team could be a championship caliber Laker team. I just don't see it. Um, they're not good, but neither are the Kings. And, and, and like, I, you know, the way they gutted that out, I'm with you, James. I mean, it was a big feather in the cap of the team uh, for, for all maybe the right and wrong reasons. I mean, you saw, you saw De'Aaron Fox look great at, at times. You saw Buddy Heald look, amazing i mean the, we're, you talk about the live by the buddy die by the buddy they completely live by the buddy i think 16 points in the overtime sessions alone i think it was but before that 
they but were dying that, by the buddy <laughs> it was not good so fortunately they had you know someone like De'Aaron and uh you know it was it was interesting I mean even even Marvin playing picking up LeBron defensively I mean having mm-hmm. some really good defensive moments both in the fourth and the overtime period so uh I felt like look I'm not you know I like to quote quote I like to quote song lyrics so I'm not going to be fooled again until a team rattles off like you know, wins eight of two, or excuse me, eight of 10 and uh, uh, has a stronger sample size because I, look, I haven't been fooled by this team in many, many years. I'm d- disappointed in the start that they've had. Uh, but I, I, like we've talked about on this podcast, um, I didn't predict them to be that damn good. So to me, they're just, uh, a lot of times 500 basketball teams can be very inconsistent. They look like they're worse than a 500 basketball team, but maybe at their best, they're a 500 basketball team. And you're kind of seeing, part of it here but to have a pres- uh, a performance like they did on friday night against the lakers triple overtime win got that one out buddy here hits a crazy shot to get the benefit of some calls how about that kings fans yeah. against against a lakers team with just star power and you're getting the benefit of calls there uh i thought that was pretty interesting um alex len they relied a hell of a lot on him he's been so hot and cold at, at times this year um so there's a lot that stands out i also feel like we're seeing a little bit from Alvin Gentry and, and maybe his approach. And I do agree. The philosophy isn't all that different, but Alvin definitely tinkers and Alvin is living up to the whole, I don't care what the the name on the back of the Jersey says, like, he's just going to go with people who can compete. He's definitely pushing pace, but now all of a sudden we're getting into some really tricky territory because they're what they're two and two with Alvin two games. They look decent two games. They look just putrid. Um, but defensively, they just look like they can't stop anybody again. So uh, maybe they've thrown it out the window because pace is such an emphasis right now. And I kind of think that's what it is, but um, yeah, Sunday's Sunday's debacle in, in, in Memphis didn't surprise me considering we were all kind of, kind of circling it on the calendar. Like you go triple overtime in LA, you win that game. It's a, you're, these guys, I'm not saying they celebrated like they won a championship, but it was certainly a merit badge, right? I mean, it was a merit badge yeah. for the season. And everything that they've been through, and now you've got to go all the way across the country to play a Grizzlies team without John Morant. Uh, I, 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 I thought we were going to get a game like that, but I didn't think it was going to be quite as bad as we saw. Yeah, it was hideous. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. So, I mean, I'm not going to like mince words here. I mean, I, to me, that was – it was Kings basketball. Yeah. I, and, I mean, it's what this team has been for so long. Like you can beat anybody and you can lose to anybody. So let's, I don't want to get into the Memphis game quite yet. Let's look at, you said something about Alvin Gentry there. And I want to clarify for a couple of people what my opinion is, at least. Like, I I think Alvin has tinkered, but I think his tinkering has been extremely minimal. The reason why we're seeing him tinker and mix, mix and match so much is because he doesn't have Rashawn Holmes and he doesn't have Harrison Barnes and he doesn't have Mo Harkless. He's missing three starters. But even if you just look at the, the two main starters, he doesn't have another player on the roster that can fill the 35-minute void that, that Harrison Barnes leaves. And he has players on the roster that can eat up some of the minutes that Rashawn Holmes that you lose with Rashawn Holmes, but not nearly enough. And then one of the options that he has for filling the void of, of Harrison Barnes is Mo Harkless. And then he gets, he gets hurt. So I think we're seeing some tinkering, but I don't want to say, 
you know, Alvin Gentry is a tinkerer because no, I, I think what he's doing is fair. here. Yeah. It's, it's out of necessity. Everything that he's doing right now is fully out of necessity. Playing because, 12 guys is not yeah. ideal. <laughs> no. I mean, no, it's terrible. I mean, that's, that, that just shows you how fragile they are when you've got to go 12 deep just to find a lineup that you can put out on the floor. And that's not a good problem, but it's good that Alvin is uh, trying to find something. I think there are positions though. There are positions where it's okay. Like it, it, if they had a guard go down for a week, they've got enough guards that they can cover up a lot of it. Now, if it's Halliburton, then not having that second playmaker is a huge issue. Um, I think he's even in that instance, slightly more important than Fox. Uh, but you know, if they had a, if they have Rashawn Holmes, they do have, they've got three centers that they can run out there. Uh, I think it, what it has done is it opened the door. So Alvin told us after, after the first, let me think, whichever game Bagley hit the, the three, I, I think that's when it was. Someone said, is he, does this mean he's going to play more? And he goes, well, no, not really. What this means is that for one night, you know, he, he played really well and we had an injury and we stuck with him and he played, mm -hmm. you know, he played strong and we're able to keep going. Um, that doesn't mean he's going to play all the time. And so I think there's a, like, there's a lot of clarification that needs to happen here with this team at this point. Uh, but Sean, just how do you look at Gentry? I, I mean, are you comfortable with the rotation he's trying to throw out there? I, I personally, I like that we're seeing Terrence Davis. I like that he's not just giving up on Terrence Davis and saying, okay, like, look, we need you to be better. And, and so I'm going to start you and you're going to get some burn and I need you to figure it out and find your game, but he's going to keep going and, and tinkering in that way, I, I believe. And I don't think it's going to be too far from what Walton was doing, but certainly far enough that it looks slightly different because of the injuries. Yeah. I think, I think I can both, you know, I can, I can give him props and I can also criticize it at the same time, because like, I feel like after you win Portland and you go into LA and you win LA, like I probably would have kept the same starting rotation there. If not, if nothing more, just for some sort of continuity there. And it, it did change. Um, we saw Mezzi back in the lineup at one point and, um, but he lost Harkless. That's why he did lose Harkless. Yeah. yeah. So no, he was I, in there the game before too. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I see it and it's, it's, I kind of, once the Philly game happened, they changed the lineup again. And, and I, I understood it. I saw what he was trying to do, especially that Philly game was trash. And I think, you know, we don't talk enough about that with it, with Philly down five starters, but. Oh, it was trash. Um, it was just, yeah. Great dirty trash. <laughs> like I'd yeah. almost argue that, I mean, I know we're making such a big deal about the Sunday game because it's maybe so so close to my, but I'd actually think the game against Philly was worse to be. I totally agree. I totally I, agree. I, that one to me is the worst loss of the season. So um, to, but to that point, like I, I would like to see him. I think Alvin looks at the, at his team as, okay, now that I'm here, I need to see about 10 games to really get a feel for this. And I think it's any, I think any roster spot is for the taking for him and his rotation. I don't think he's going to be quite the, coach that looks at the other team and tries to make an adjustment so much in his rotations. I think he's going to try to find the group of players that works best for them. And they're just going to go with it. And then, you know, there might be some tinkering as the game goes on foul trouble injuries, um, maybe a guy with an off night. Uh, but, you know, everything Alvin does from a coaching standpoint, from a, from a 
the way he approaches his players to most of his game plan, I think is the right move, especially considering he's really trying to get them to run right now. I've never, I haven't been a, I haven't been wild about his offense over the past two seasons here. Well, season in what, 12 games yeah. um, under, under Luke, but you know, I haven't been wild about the offense, but a lot of times it's from what I keep hearing from people is that no, it just gets broken very easily. Like the ball movement stagnates. It's not supposed to be that way. Um, like we'll see when Davion Mitchell's on the floor and it's a dribble, dribble, dribble. And when you have Tyrese Halliburton on the floor, it's completely different because the ball moves. So um, that's why I always, I, I was so critical of the playmaking on this team so early on. So I look, I, I'm, you know, me, James, I'm a huge fan of Alvin Gentry and, and what he represents as a, as a coach and as a man. Uh, I, again, I don't think you could put Red Auerbach in his prime and Phil Jackson in his prime, and he's going to lead this team to the promised land, but you know, you got to start somewhere. And I think holding players accountable and being critical to them, both behind the scenes and even a little bit in the media I think it's warranted at this point. Like, I, look, I, you're not going to lose the locker room. Like, the, the, I think we all know that this is a very nice team and you don't have to criticize guys for missing shots per se, but when you're breaking plays and you're not moving the ball and you're giving up effort on the defensive end and you're just not hustling or running or you're just completely letting a guy blow right by you on the baseline. I mean, these are moments where the, he's going to hold people accountable, hopefully, um, but it's, 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 it's going to be interesting to see how he holds certain people accountable as opposed to others. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good question. It's funny. We, we almost haven't had that issue over the last, I mean, you have Buddy Heald who does whatever he wants. Um, and, and then I would even say you have De'Aaron Fox that for stretches does not play defense, you know, and, and I think we, but we can keep going at, right. at some point. You know, I'll bring this up. Um, after after the win against LA, Tyrese Halliburton was very confident. He walked into the media room. Feeling himself a little. He was feeling himself a little bit. <laughs> and he took some shots at the media. So he... And by the way, I was completely okay with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I realized afterwards... I think you thought he was taking a shot at you about his defense question. He was. Oh, because I was, yeah, because it was funny because he was walking off the podium and I yelled out at him and I said, puppy chow, man. And if you weren't at the game, they ran a little in-house feature on the big game about Thanksgiving. And it was him and Rashawn and they're talking about, you know, their favorite Thanksgiving thing. But then he got into puppy chow, which I only know is dog food. And he was talking about how you take Chex Mix and put powdered sugar. And I think here on the West Coast, we know them as like, you know, muddy, muddy, muddy buddies or something like that. I think that's the name of it. I, I've seen it, how it's sold at the store. He goes, no, that's what it's at the store. And the feature he says, so I was like, he made it sound like we're all crazy because we're in California. We've never heard this. So as he's walking off, I'm like, I'm like puppy chow, man. Like, what is that? I've never heard of that. And he's like, oh yeah, you got to check out the puppy. He says, Hey, how's my defense? And I, I thought he was talking to me because I was the one that engaged and, and he, he evidently wasn't. Cause I started saying like, Hey, your defense look good. Like, I was like, have I criticized? <laughs> I don't know that I've been all that critical of your defense. He was but... talking to Brennan Nunes. Yeah. That's oh, who he put was him talking to. Well, no, I, I mean, I'll, I'll explain this. Is, yeah. One of well, his Brennan, first... And Brennan wouldn't mind. He's not going to mind. No, no. That. Brennan's a good kid. He, he's yeah. trying hard to learn the game. Like, not, not the game of basketball, the game that is the media behind the scenes, like how you ask questions and stuff. Like, he's doing a lot of work 
trying to get better, trying to ask questions. One of his first questions, um, it came off the wrong way. He, he had asked Luke um, what he was going to do about, you know, that he had been hiding Tyrese Halliburton um, <laughs> on the defensive end of the, the game, but uh, the defensive eye of the ball, but the team they were playing, I can't even remember who it was, had like four or five playmakers. And how are you going to deal with that? I think it was Toronto. And Halliburton clearly saw that's where that was coming from. <laughs> Halliburton clearly saw. So then he he starts asking that now Halliburton's asking. He's like, I'm gonna ask every game, well, how was my defense tonight? Yeah. So he wants he, to be held accountable. And in to to you know, to kind of Brendan's credit, he brought that up because earlier in this season, Luke talked about the growth of Tyrese on defense and how last year they had to hide him a lot. And yeah. so I saw what, I mean, I could see where that was coming from, but, but yeah, the thing I got a kick out of was, you know, Tyrese saying, no, uh, check it. Let me know where I'm at. Cause like, it's almost like a, it's almost like a smugness, but it's also a, Hey, I, I, I'm going to be motivated off of this little nuance that, that you think I'm a bad defender and I'm going to go off that. It just didn't really work out so well when you follow that up with a, a dud like you do in, in Memphis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know what? Like at, he went at me in the same way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He I did uh, because I had asked him early in the season if, because the chemistry between him and Fox looked off. I mean, Fox started out the first 10 games of the season and was not good at all. But if you go back to the first two or three games, Fox was actually okay. It was Halliburton that was, that couldn't score. Well, like, I, I want to, like, Ty, he, he, if he wants to question us about things like that, like, hey, how's our chemistry look? How's our chemistry look? Well, it looked good tonight, but what about your chemistry on Sunday? Because, again, that's, I think it's a sixth time in, like, nine games, or it's the fifth time in eight games since he came back from the back injury that Tyrese Halliburton has scored in single digits he's not scoring i mean we had the one game where he had nine assists and zero points well with with all the starters out against the lakers halberton scored 19 but 19 in like 50 minutes that's where, I mean, where do you think his average should be when it comes to scoring 15 15 i mean that's a pretty good one i say yeah i'd say to me if you're around 10 to 12 i'm okay with it especially if you're you know really getting a lot of assists because I just don't see him as a scorer, but 15, I think is a, if you could do 15, I'd be through the moon with that. If I'm, I'm okay with Davion being 10 to 12 for like for his career. I'm okay with that. I think Tyrese Halliburton is much more creative as a scorer. I mean, he's a three level scorer. He he can Mm -hmm. do all kinds of things. So I'm, I, I, he needs to shoot more. That's it. He needs to shoot more. And I, it doesn't matter what he wants to say in a press conference. If he wants to ask about chemistry or anything else, it's like, okay, that's fine. You need to shoot more. Like you are a shooting guard. I like that he admits he's paying attention though. Yeah, he does. (laughs) You know, he he knows, he knows the chatter going on and he pays attention. Some guys will just, you know, they know what's going on and they won't admit to it or some guys completely tune it out. But I like the fact that he, he, he reads the headlines and knows what the temperature of the room is. Yeah. Okay. So let's just brush through the, the Memphis game very quickly. Like, look, number one, I I don't get it how anyone thinks that Kings 
oh, John Morant's out. This is a huge opportunity. They're just going to go on the road to Memphis after a triple overtime win and run over a Grizzlies team. Uh, first of all, the Kings were missing three starters, and you can say that that's an excuse or not. Uh, that's a reason why you don't have, you know, why, why you didn't play well. They're missing one guy, and he's their number one option. But the Kings are missing like their second and third best player and Rashawn Holmes and, and Harrison Barnes. I, so, and it's a three o'clock start Sacramento time back East. You know what I mean? Like, so there is, you're still taking away three hours with the time change and then another three hours to where you usually play. So I, like, I knew this game was going to be a disaster and it ended up being a holy F disaster. Cause I just oh, didn't yeah. think it was good. I didn't think they were going to play like that. Um, but I knew that, that, like we were, we would see this earlier in the season where the team couldn't shoot or they, you know, they, they'd have defensive problems and lapses and they still remain competitive. And that was out the window by third quarter. You could even argue earlier. Um, yeah. I think they shot less than 32% from the field. I don't know that I've ever seen a game where a team was that bad, but I think it also exposed guys like, you know, like not to call specific guys out in this game I didn't think Fox had a horrible game. I, a lot of people are, oh, he was so bad. I did not think he had a horrible game. The fact is when no one else can hit a shot, and that means that the defense basically just plays a zone the whole game, right. then De'Aaron Fox is in trouble. And guys, I think guys like Chemezi Metu got exposed. Like mm-hmm. he was like 0 of 8 from 3 or 0 of 7. It wasn't good. And, no, but he's and, not and, and everyone will look at they'll look at that rebounding and go oh look how productive he is here yeah and it's well, like no those those were hollow i mean they look at where a lot of the rebounds are coming from they were pretty hollow and i don't mean to you know slam mezzi because he's trying i mean yeah, great, yeah yeah you know but it's it's just the reality of it i thought i i remember texting you and one other person and i was like just trying to get the gauge of where like if you had to pick the worst player tonight who would you pick and i think we both agreed it was mezzi and and it's just it was just not good and, and you know, I feel bad we're kind of picking on him a little bit there, but because they were all bad. They were just all absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's dreadful. not like Marvin Bagley needed needed his minutes because Marvin wasn't any good at all. Marvin just like disappeared in the whole first. He went the first 10 minutes with zeros across the board. He didn't even have, he didn't have a turnover. He didn't have a rebound. He didn't have an assist. Yeah. He didn't have a point. Then he went to the line and hit one or two, I believe, and got up to one point. Uh, he, but it was almost 12 minutes. I Hollinger tweeted out something like he's two minutes away from infamy, like without putting a single stat on the board at all. Like right. the only stat he, he did not even take a field goal attempt. And so that was a problem. I mean, the whole entire team was bad. And I know a I lot hate, of people, I hate seeing him. I, sorry. I mean, I hate seeing yeah. him stand out on the perimeter, you know, like I know he'll play the stretch four, and it, and that's just kind of the offense, but I feel like there should be a lot more movement that, that comes with that position than him just standing in the corner and then just go four on five on offense and then have him come crash the board. If it's, you know, like an offensive rebound situation and it's just, yeah. His, his it, offensive rebound numbers are really, really low in his, he's compared to his career. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, he has to be able to hit that shot on the perimeter. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's really what's made him work in the last couple of games, but it wasn't just him. I mean, it was everybody. I, I don't think that there was anyone Outside of Tristan Thompson and even him, uh, he couldn't hit a free throw. He went three of nine from the free throw line. <laughs> so there was that problem. And then 
there was a fan who got thrown out for that was weird. heckling uh for heckling tristan thompson i guess we're hearing he might have been saying something about the kardashians I, I don't even know but that was ugly he got sent out um and i thought tristan was okay um outside of that I, I, buddy shot you out of the game in the first half and then had a little bit but it wasn't nearly enough and that's that's a whole nother let's talk about that the the live by the buddy die by the buddy sean it's something that we started here it's something that i've said in the past you know you live by the buddy you die by the buddy i i, I tweeted it out on multiple occasions but it was one of my post games he just has not had a complete game I don't know how long it's been. I don't know if it's been this season where he's had a game where he was good and actually hitting shots from start to finish. It's one game he has an 0 for 6 first half. One game he has a 1 for 10 first half. Another game he's good in the first half, but then he goes 0 for 13 in the second half. It's just manic. Like it's all over the place. And I'll tell you, it hurts. It hurts his team because. They can't, he's the only one shooting like bulk shots with the second unit. And it does hurt this team's ability to stay in games, to not get down by 15 or 12 in the first half, because one guy single-handedly shot you out of the game. Even, I think it was a Philadelphia game. I was honest in that game. I, he had 16 in the first half. And then he finished with like 21, which, you know, how does that even happen? But in that first half, the 16, he was like a negative eight because he gave up three pointer after three pointer. Like you are living and dying by one player on many given nights because he's shooting so many shots and he's missing so many shots. And then heaven forbid, he makes a bunch and it actually looks like he had a, has a productive game. Can you continue to live with this? And I, you know, what did Alvin Gentry say about buddy healed and how much he loves him? I drafted him. I That's drafted exactly him. What he said. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> he what should he have said. said, "I also traded him." <laughs> he did. He traded him for Demarcus Cousins. That's right. <laughs> and, and and if you remember, Alvin Gentry showed up at the airport to pick up Demarcus Cousins and Omri Caspi during that trade. So, um, look, I think that's not to say that he doesn't love Buddy. I look, we all love Buddy. I think, I think it's just necessary. And and to me, the way you combat it is, <clears throat> you really have to have a playmaker with Buddy healed at all times, James the one thing that I always cringe at every single time. And you hear me, I just felt sound like a broken record. I don't want to see buddy healed be a playmaker when he has to put the ball on the floor and dribble. I, I just feel like disaster is about to strike and he's gotten better. Like he's gotten, he's improved a lot in that category because of what Luke Walton tried to make him become the past two seasons. He did it's last year. Not- this year, yeah. his his assist numbers are way, way down. I mean, he was at like 3.8 a game last year. This year, he's yeah. not. And, and, you know, you and I would differ, I think, a little on this. I'm okay with that because all I want him to do is catch and shoot. All I want him to do is be out on the perimeter, find your shot. You can get it off quickly, all that stuff. And what we one thing we have seen in the last two games, and I think this I, – I could credit this to Alvin, is I think even with Buddy's struggles from the outside – he's finding ways to attack the paint a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's all that effective, but at least there's the thought process there, which is historically, and I, I see people in my mentions all the time, which is I point out the struggles of Buddy and they're like, well, why do they keep letting him do it? And it's like the same reason you let any elite shooter do it, you know, because 
you play the numbers game and it's going to turn around. But he's, I think Harrison Barnes might be the only other player that's like, all right, my shot's not dropping, time to attack. Harrison's a brilliant ISO player. He can shoot over most people, get into the paint, Euro step, go. So that's I, where it, they, they really miss Harrison in that particular no right they, there. They miss him so much because he's a run stopper. He gets the yes. ball, he sees it, he goes, ah, it's a 6 0 run. I'm going to get to the, the basket. Paint. I'm either going to get fouled or I'm going to put the ball in the basket. Either way, I'm stopping the run now. It's the old Zebo thing. Right. And then when you don't have Harrison, this team does not have a single player like that outside of Harrison Bars. And, and again, I make it sound like we're geniuses because what have we been talking about when the, we when, are geniuses, when, Sean? When things we were, <laughs> when, they're, when they're five and five and we're like, look at how great this team is playing at times and in stretches and they're finding ways to win. I said, James, I cringe for. That's another me using cringe again. I I cringe again for December. What does this look like in December if Harrison, God forbid, get, God forbid, gets hurt or goes back to the Harrison we know and and I don't want to say hate, but we want to like shake the hell out of him and say, no fool, shoot. You need to shoot. You need to shoot the ball like 15 times a game, not eight to 12 times a game. You need to at least hit 50. You have to shoot at least 15 times a game. And Alvin's like, you know, he wants to see his team shoot a hundred times a game. I don't know if that's possible. We might see it. <laughs> I think we might see it. We may have already seen it for all I know. I don't know that for sure, but I, you know, that's oh, like a triple a, overtime game. Heck yeah. They shot. Oh, they got shots. A, yeah, that's, yeah. But in a regulation, he wants to see that. And they need they're Harrison coming Barnes. close. Like even before Harrison got hurt, we're like, where's Harrison Barnes? We had several stretches of game where, where is Harrison Barnes? And I just hope that when it, when he gets back and gets right from his injury here, uh, this, this foot sprain that, that hopefully we start to see a little bit more of that and see more of Harrison because uh, they need him on the offensive end. They need his, they miss his defense for sure, but they need him on the offensive end, especially when this team is so void of shooting right now. Yeah, um, through the six games in October, Harrison Barnes is averaging 23.3 points, 10.3 rebounds, 2.7 assists in 37 minutes per game. Um, he was shooting 45.5% from three, and he was doing a lot of good. In the 13 games in November, 34 minutes, 17 points, so down 6.3 5.7 rebounds down almost five rebounds per game. And his assist numbers drop in 2.7 to 2.3. Even that's not super acceptable. So, you know, it, like the disappearance, it, it's, it's not just buddy healed. I want to harp on. I mean, other guys on this team have, have these moments where they just vanish for stretches mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate, but it's not just Harrison. It's not just buddy. It's not just De'Aaron it's tie. It's like a lot of these guys have moments where they, they vanish. We've already seen it this, this season where for like two or three games in a row where Sean Holmes, like just got nothing. Like he, he didn't get any opportunity at all, but he also didn't get any rebounds. He didn't, you know, we saw it. Uh, what was it? The, the game against Andre Drummond where, you know, he didn't have a single rebound in eight minutes in the fourth quarter. He also didn't get a shot. Yeah. no shot attempts after after lighting up philadelphia in the in the third quarter so i think that's part of the problem this team does not seem to you cannot write and pen what each player is going to do you can't even have a ballpark figure and I, I think that's what makes it so difficult for almost any coach you know there there came a point last season where fox is you know going nuts and he's averaging 25 a game 
but people forget that there was a stretch where he's averaging over 30. So where was the stretch where he was averaging 20? Cause it's there somewhere. Cause he ended up at 20 at 25 for the season. I can just tell you there's a stretch where it's the whole first 20 games of the season where he just wasn't very good. And now we're seeing that same thing kind of repeat itself where you hope that he pulls out of it, but this team keeps taking turns and they, they just aren't playing as a team. They're playing as like individuals here and individuals there doing things. And I, I just don't know how or who can fix what's going on. I asked Fox after the Portland game, or maybe it was the Laker game where I felt like because he had been more impactful of late, especially on the offensive end, which is what they really, I mean, look, defense is what it is, but they, they really need Fox to get going on the offensive end. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I said, do you feel like you've turned a corner or do you not trust it yet? And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't really go either way with it. He says, I'm just playing. Right. Like, I'm just, yep. I like, I like the response. Like, that's great. You didn't buy into it. Cause oftentimes some players will have a great game and then they'll, you know, Oh yeah. You know, things are feeling good right now. Think, you know, and they'll kind of like take it. It's almost like a fool's gold moment where, so I'm glad he took it to where, cause what it told me was I'm still figuring some things out. And even though I've had some offensive end, it hasn't some offensive moments. It hasn't really translated into wins yet. So yep. Um, I do like the response, but I do feel like he's making strides on that. I think he's becoming more like himself. Uh, I think the playmaking is still a little not up to par to where I'd like to be. And obviously we know what the defensive situation is. Um, but I feel like as long as this team can score, they will remain competitive, especially when they can't shoot. And, and again, I'm just not a believer in this team's ability to shoot from the perimeter. And I think it's bearing fruit right now that, that, you know, yeah, you may have, you know, set a franchise record in one game, but the next three were just straight up trash. Yeah. It's the old softball analogy, the home run hitting softball player. Um, yeah. And, and I'll say this too, Sean, it's really, really hard to get assists when your teammates miss every shot. Yeah. <laughs> when you shoot 32% as a team, <laughs> and, and I think Fox was like five of 12. That's, that's fine. I mean, that's not a great night, but that's not a horrible night. But the hockey assist, the hockey assist can be there. I, I feel like, yeah. because, you know, Tyrese ends up seeing the ball so well or sees the floor so well, and oftentimes sees a player two ahead of him that, you know, usually sets this team up. That's why the ball cannot stagnate the way it does, unless you yeah. have Harrison attacking the paint, you know, somebody like that, or you have, Marvin or Rashawn working in the post like it just it can't really do that and it, I, I don't know man like I, I, I'm more concerned of the offensive end because I just feel like the offensive end is where you're going to remain competitive um, you look if you come away and you're losing you have this record and you don't have these like how many times already we just have huge margins of losses already where just, games are just you're just out of it and granted we've guys seen, gave in yeah, yeah and we've seen fight from this team where they're battling back from 20 down to come back and win. We've seen it, but you can't rely on that. You can't rely on that type of effort. To but even Sean, a lot of those, if you look back to that first part of the season, a lot of their tight losses were not tight losses. They were games that they rallied at the end and made it look closer than it was. Yep. It made it a six point game, made it a four point game and never had an opportunity to win. All right, Sean, I, I want to hit on one last major topic before we get to the business of basketball. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to already trigger you now, so you're ready. Um, Marvin, 
we had a couple of brilliant games from Marvin. And I'm going to say brilliant, and people are going to go, but like he didn't put up huge numbers. And I'm going to tell you that I don't care about his mm-hmm. numbers. He didn't look good on Sunday. No one looked good. I'm going to crumple it up and throw it away. Um, I wrote something in my Sunday musings. If you haven't read Sunday musings, you should you should probably pick it up just because, you know, I'm going to like f- get a little freestyle there on most weekends on Sundays and, and give you my point of view on a few things. And whether you like it or not, I don't really care. Um, I, I think that it's my opinion and I've watched this team for a long time and I think I've got a pretty good feel for this team. The two games against, what was it, Portland and then the Lakers, I thought were two of the best games I've ever seen Marvin Bagley play. And it's because he was no longer Marvin Bagley, the prospect, putting up hollow numbers. He was Marvin Bagley, the basketball player. And I think that Marvin, for most of his career, has, like, his goal is to be great, and he never, ever, ever got good. He tried to skip getting good and go straight to being great. And the, the league just doesn't work that way. So no. when you're putting up 14 and a half points and seven rebounds, and then you do it three years in a row, even if you're playing limited games because you're injured, that's not great. And it's not even really good because he ran such negatives while he was doing those numbers. The Marvin Bagley, the Kings need is the one that doesn't care about his stats that does stand in the corner and shoot the three ball when he's given the opportunity and spaces the floor. It's the guy that flies in and gets incredible rebounds. Like some of the rebounds we've seen from him in the last week are crazy rebounds. It's the rebounds you thought you were getting from him when he came into the league. And it just hasn't been that way. He's ferocious. He's going outside of his area and rebounding, you know, 10 feet away from where he's starting, 15 feet away from when the ball goes up and he's crashing, he's flying all over. That's the guy. It's the guy that I don't even know how, but that found a way to stay in front of LeBron James and found a way to pester Anthony Davis. And Dame and, Lillard in that Portland, that yeah, Portland game. <laughs> held his own. Even yeah. Dame, right? He held his Looking own. Looking like a ninja out there. <laughs> yes, uh, you're the baby ninja. You put up yeah. the baby ninja, which I thought was <laughs> incredible. But you understand what I'm saying. I do. This, this version of Marvin Bagley is so much better than any other version of Marvin Bagley. And it almost feels like he's given into the process of being good first. I need to be good and there's still a possibility for me to be good to be great but i better be good because if not i'm not gonna be in the league i gotta get to good i gotta get to reliable and i got to get to to dependable right like he's going out and he's playing basketball and i know that sounds weird to say but when we've seen him because i always say he's been behind the eight ball because of injury when he comes back everything looks mechanical everything looks like i'm thinking Everything, I have to think about what I'm doing. I have it's to think a reset about not getting button. hurt. Yeah. Right Every now, time. Like, he yeah. came out. If you remember that game against the Lakers last year, after coming back, he was sensational. Will, he willed them to victory. He was a big part of it. Um, and then all of a sudden, they basically weren't going to play him down the stretch. And, you know, he sat out. So, um, well, last season? 
Yeah. When he, when he left? The, when he left, he came back, played the Laker game. They were on the road. He played in a cup, another road game, I believe. And then something else happened. Possibly he got hurt again. Injury. He got hurt. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, quad injury or something. And so the, he in that game, and it's been very similar to since we've seen him come back, even before Luke was gone, where every moment he's on the floor, I don't see him thinking. He's just, he's trying to be a good player. He's putting a ton of effort defensively. But mm-hmm. what's the one thing you can, you can rely on? He can score, he can rebound, and he can run the floor very, very well. Kid runs like a gazelle. Uh, so those are the things that, that have been most encouraging. He doesn't look like he's really noodling it through. And, you know, I think we're going to start seeing lobs to, to, to Marvin. We haven't really seen that yet. Um, I, you know, we see a lot to, to Rashawn when he's on the floor. It'll be interesting to see what happens when guys come back and if Marvin will still be that rotational type player. I think under, Mar- under Alvin, if, if what he's saying is true and he's looking for those moments of who's going to compete, I mean, it's a fresh slate for him. What, yeah. I, I felt like the, I've been saying it all year, like if he's still on this team, which he is, and it didn't come as a surprise to me, but if he's still here, play him. Even if he's not part of your future, it's up from it's up to Marvin to earn earn something at the end of the year, be it Sacramento or elsewhere. And I still like I've always said like I, him being part of the rotation is something that I would do based on what you're trying to accomplish, running the floor, scoring, rebounding. These are all a little bit of Achilles' heels, and he addresses them. Now, granted, could Luke Walton depend on him because of injury? He got injured in training camp. There is a sense of earn it, and I do believe in that. So I understood the philosophy. So I, you know, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'm saying, look, at the end of the day, he's back in the rotation right now because he does these things very well. I think Alvin Gentry realizes it. I think Alvin Gentry sees that there's a need for it, even when they're down a couple players. What does this look like when those guys come back? That I can't wait to see. Yeah, and look, it's still going to be the same type of rotation. Right. Sean's got an alarm going off. It's going to be the same type of rotation uh, when he when you get Harrison Barnes back, when you get Mo Harkless back, that that's because he's going with the veteran guys that know how to do it time and time again. That's what Gentry is going to rely on. Mm-hmm. That's what coaches who want to keep their jobs do. They rely on veteran players. If the team isn't specifically telling him like they did in previous years, we need you to start Marvin Bagley. We need you to develop Marvin Bagley because we have to see what's there. That's not what the, the Kings are doing anymore. That's just, it's not part of the plan. And so I think what we're going to see is Marvin has to make his own way. And, and I think he can, you know, like I, I've said it time and time again, I don't have anything against Marvin. I think he's a good kid. Um, he, he did have a moment in the Portland game. I, I, I mentioned this on, on d and Casey uh, that he, he unleashed the fury on the fans. <laughs> Um, and I'm not going to say what he said verbatim and it, but like his, his barbaric Yelp was aimed specifically at the fans in the building at his home arena. They were not, it was not at the Portland bench. He, he was not happy. Well, he hasn't been happy with the way he, he perceives that he's been treated. And some of that is, is legitimate. I think fans have been hard on him. Um, but some of it is deserved because he's a guy who's asked for trades and um, who's been unable to quiet the noise that that is his dad from the outside many times. So so anyway, there was some word said um, not to one specific fan, but to fans in general. 
But I think and there's a lot of a lot of built up frustrations, built up are, angst. Are, yeah. Yes, and you know what? If that's what it takes to unleash all that, I'm fine with it. I don't care. Yeah. Like, you, look, you. That's Kevin Garnett used to go out and curse out the curse out the fans all the time, both yeah. home and away. It's just whatever he used to to motivate himself, whatever he used to get himself going and be that psychotic killer on the floor. Um, that was Kevin Garnett. Marvin Bagley is not Kevin Garnett, but I understand it. Like, just go out and do whatever you do, you know? Yeah. It, it's funny you say that. I remember when I was a kid, I, I stood out, I would stay outside Oakland, the Oakland Coliseum after games and we get players to sign autographs. Mm-hmm. And you remember Steve Howe? Pitcher. The baseball player? Yes. Oh, he did a lot of cocaine. Yeah. yeah. Steve yeah. Howe was, um, he came over, he was with the Yankees, A's Yankees played. And he came over and he was smoking like menthols in front of all these kids that were waiting. And someone said, Oh man, you still smoking, Steve? He goes, You know, I I I kicked the coke. I kicked kicked the alcohol, still can't kick these ciggies. And he's sitting there smoking. (laughs) Steve, my kid is nine. (laughs) In front of all of these people, all of of these kids. It's like, man. So I, I you know, I get it. Sometimes players are real and they have moments where they, they lose their cool Marvin. I think you asked and Marvin jokingly said, yeah, I was talking crazy. I was talking crazy. Um, all right, let's get to it. Sean, the business of basketball. <laughs> you, want, you want an injury <laughs> update real quick? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. Harrison Barnes doubtful for Lakers on Tuesday and Maurice Harkless will be questionable. The two G League players, Kata and Woodard, will be out. But so, uh, no. Rashawn Holmes, Holmes is not, not there. On that, not on Holmes that list, is back. So. Holmes is back. There we go. Non COVID illness looks like it has gone away. So you're getting this live as it's happening, except for you're not going to get it till tomorrow when he, the podcast posts. So oh. you'll you'll hear this on Tuesday. We're not posting this. Maybe I'll do it late Monday night. We'll see. But um, yeah, okay. So the business of basketball. Um, before we, uh, we came on, I told Sean, we're going to be somewhat brief in this. Um, but DeMarcus cousins is back in the league. DeMarcus cousins boogie back boogie is back. And, uh, he signed with the Milwaukee bucks on a non-guaranteed one-year deal for probably the remainder of the season. If he, if he's able to stay healthy, if he's able to stay out, you know, if he's able to fulfill his side of the bargain. Um, and that brought me to Sean. Um, we've, we talked about the, I think, didn't we talk about the Drake situation, the George Carl Drake situation? We I think did. we, that we brought terrible. that up. Um, but let's, let's hear what is your favorite moment from DeMarcus cousins, uh, over the last, because, you know, he was in Sacramento for six and a half seasons. It coincided with my first season, my first player I ever sat down and interviewed for a one-on-one was DeMarcus Cousins as a rookie, um, which is crazy. But what what's your favorite moment from him? I like the spontaneity of this because I didn't really prepare this, but just the ones that really kind of pop out and come to mind. I mean, first of all, I've got too many great moments with, with yeah. DeMarcus. Um, I think to me, there's two that really kind of pop out. I mean, one, the community stuff is just great. Seeing him as a six-foot-eleven yep. Santa Claus in a Walmart is this is always fun especially considering you know you see demarcus cousins one way on the you know on the basketball court and around people in general i think he 
you know, DeMarcus always tends to have his guard up a little bit. He's, he's kind of uh, a little bit shy in a way, but when he's around kids, uh, it's like, it's a hundred times different. It's just a hundred times different. Um, and so that was always my favorite is anything. I remember I took a, um, I spent an evening one time of him going door to door. I had, I had this great feature that, that I turned out of it and we aired it at channel 10 and um, I went with him. He went to all these door to doors with, with families from um, all over Sacramento and they were part of various uh, group homes and, you know, church groups or charities or centers for fathers and families, anything that uh, all the, that these, these organizations that they foster homes. With. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, that, not all were foster homes, but all of them come from are just uh, like these are literally you're going to an apartment building, you're going to a, a a house in a rough neighborhood, you're going to even a house in a nice neighborhood, but they have like really awful circumstances. So there's some families that have been kind of identified, and I mean, look, you you see those movies, the cliche where there's you know an athlete who goes to a, a, a children's home or a hospital, or you know you see that Babe Ruth story and it's the kid wants you to hit a home run and he's you know this kid might not make it kind of a thing right and it's those things I mean while it's great it really kind of takes a lot out of somebody I mean this is some really real world depressing like oh man you know really just eats up your heart um, to, to see people go through some of the things they do and always put smiles on kids face I remember there was one there was one in uh, in Sacramento and we went to this one household where the grandmother's literally like sleeping on the floor and she has so many family so many family members in the house and you know we're, we're in this house for about usually we were in there for about five minutes drop off some goods say hello you know interact we stayed there for about 20-25 minutes and um you know these kids are dancing showing the newest dance moves that if only TikTok was available then. I mean, this, this is exactly <laughs> what they were doing and showing DeMarcus how to do these answers. So that stuff always takes center stage. All of the, the community work that, that any player does, um, especially that when they want it, when they have their heart in it and they want to do it. Uh, and that was DeMarcus. So off just basketball related, man, and there's so many. I think USA Basketball, following him's journey with USA Basketball was always among my favorite. Um, the year where... Rudy Gay was there with him and Willie Colley Stein was on the select team. And uh, I'm interviewing DeMarcus about his time with USA basketball and Rudy just interrupts it with this head smack to the back of the head. And it, I've got video of it. It did really well socially. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll share it again at some point uh, so people can see it if they haven't. But if you do a deep enough dive on my Instagram, uh, Sean.Cunningham on Instagram, you'll be able to find it. But I'm talking to DeMarcus and all of a sudden he gets smacked in the back of his head and he just turns like, he's like, like who the hell did that? But I'm going to F up whoever did it. And Rudy literally looks at him and shoots him a glare. Like, yeah, it was me. And, and like, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? And he sees it's Rudy and he just starts laughing. And it was, you know, a really great moment. You know, even when, even when DeMarcus came out, when, 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 uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas and DeMarcus loved each other off the floor, they might not have been the best, teammates on the floor because they both kind of dominated the ball um but when demarcus and isaiah would just have these unbelievable uh trash talk sessions in the locker room and one the one time that demarcus came out and he's, he's still at one of his heaviest moments in his in his career physically and he's got isaiah's jersey on and his his whole uniform on at a practice was just 
just insane. So, um, and then I got to leave it with this one because this one just popped in my mind too. And shout out Darren May, the former uh, Kings PR director. But when he was a rookie, uh, he put, there was this big laundry basket of basketballs that you would, you would usually see like a bunch of jerseys or whatever. This was filled with basketballs, got wheels on it. And he put Darren, he put Darren May to that and drove him around the court for a little while uh, in a playful manner. And uh, Darren, or Darren, Darren May was like, uh, you play too much, you play too much. And, and it was just kind of a lighthearted moment. Those are always the ones that just kind of stick out for me. Yeah. I, I think the lighthearted moments for me, he had so many negative moments where it was like, Oh boy, here we go again. And so, but it, there were other times where he was such a joy to be around, you know, because you could see that there is a whole other side of him. And I think a couple, number one, the game he got thrown out of, and then he came oh, back one. into, um, <laughs> yeah, he got thrown out and then they called for DeMarcus guy. I think Scott Moat came over the PA system. Somebody go get DeMarcus cousins. Yeah. Uh, he came back out and you could clearly see that he was rubbing his eyes. Like his eyes were wet. He was very upset with what had happened and like lost it. I, I think that was one moment. Um, I had some, like not fun moments at all with him and Andy Ferrillo. And like, there were some, other, <laughs> there were plenty of bad ones. Um, but two others that stood out. Uh, number one was when the night I broke the story that he was getting his extension, which he never got, they traded him instead <laughs> that night. He was so funny. He grabbed, I don't even know whose mic it was, but oh, yeah, he tried to interview Aileen Boisson while he's surrounded. So Aileen, I'm going to be here for seven, six more years. What do you think about that? And he's got, he taken one of the media members really long, like stick mic. And he reached all the way out and put it in Aileen's face. She was not happy because number one, she did not want him there any longer. Uh, <laughs> but also she did not like being put on the spot. And that's kind of he was uh, like with the Kings. He was kind of petty that way. He oh, didn't... It was great. Yeah, I yeah, he it. was. Yeah, he was petty that way. And it's then... a human moment. And by the way, he did it. He said it to Aileen. He did it to somebody else. And he did it to Andy Ferrillo. And Andy Ferrillo says, "For me, no. Like, no, you're not worth it." He said, "No, for me, no." And then he turns and he gives the mic back and goes, "Well, guess what, people? I'm here. I'm here." <laughs> I, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. And then two weeks later, he was traded. Was um, yeah, yeah, he was traded, and that was good information. He was getting that deal. Uh, he, he made mistakes behind the scenes and, and in front of the scenes out on the court where he got thrown out of multiple games uh, in the coming days and the Kings just had enough. Uh, and then lastly, I think one of the more like honest moments where like you're around these guys so much and for years, I mean, we're around him like every day, like, I don't know, you see him as much as you see your family for stretches. Um, but I was at the finals in Toronto and he was in this big media scrum and he was not dealing with, he, I mean, he had not had to deal with a ton of media sometimes at all-star weekend or something he would, but really, you know, Sacramento media isn't huge. And he looked overwhelmed. There was probably like 40 or 50 people lobbing questions at him. And I was over to his side 
and I went to ask a question. And as soon as he heard my voice, his head shot to the side and he just had this moment of, thank God it's someone I know. And he had a big smile and I asked a question. He gave a good answer. And then afterwards we talked about his injuries. He was just coming back from injury and his quad injury. Um, and he gave me some one-on-one time, but still just that moment where you see somebody realize that there's someone there that he's comfortable with and it takes all the pressure off of them. I thought it was a really interesting moment where you got to see a real, real person behind DeMarcus Cousins. So yeah, I'm happy to see that. His candor, uh, his heart. I mean, and, and I think that's one of the, the appealing things about him is he's, he's incredibly fallible. He's human. You know, he's, he's, he's not this perfect um, chiseled, uh, polished type of personality. There's a lot of roughness around it. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of good, there's some bad. And then there's, you know, one just came to mind, James, same thing in the finals where it's media day and that whole crush of media, same thing. I remember asking him a question very similar. And he's just like, Sean, you know me. And he answered the question. It was brilliant. And I, I, I rewind to earlier that season where we're in Seattle. I'm in Seattle for that Kings Warriors game at Key Arena before it became climate change, whatever the hell now. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and after the game, we're sitting there in the tunnel and, and he and I are sitting there for about 30 minutes and we're just chopping it up before the team leaved and left, it left the arena. And, uh, you know, KD had a lot of demands on him at that time, uh, for, you know, for returning to Seattle. And so we knew the bus was going to take some time and we're just sitting in the tunnel. We're just 30, 35 minutes. And the one thing that <laughs> there's this one moment where Spencer Haas was at the game. And so he comes into the tunnel and we're sitting there and, and Spencer kind of gives up, comes up and kind of gives DeMarcus a, a hug. He kind of gives me a high five or whatever. And, and we're sitting there and, and DeMarcus probably just making conversation just goes, so, so you're, you're giving it up, huh? Or you, so you're finally hanging him up or something like that. And Spencer just goes, well, well, no, actually I'm, I'm, I'm actually trying to make a comeback. <laughs> like I'm trying, I'm getting right, trying to get rid- And then DeMarcus just goes, Oh, word. <laughs> like, like that was like completely <laughs> unexpected. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, it was, it was, it was just unexpected answer from him. I think, you know, Spencer had been out for a little while and, you know, obviously it didn't really come to much out of that. So, um, but yeah, just, just those moments. And it, you know, we, we, hang, we got to hang out for a little while in Seattle and it's like, well, all eyes were on KD. It's like, no, this, this signified a moment where here DeMarcus is with the Warriors and what lies ahead for them. So. Yeah. Wild, wild. Welcome back crazy. Boogie. Yep. Welcome back. No, I'm excited to see him back in the league. I hope it works out for him. I hope he's there all season long. I don't know if it will work out or not. I have no idea because his personality can be rough behind the scenes, especially if he's not playing a lot. And so I'm hoping that, you know, we, we get a, a kinder, a kinder, gentler DeMarcus cousins and he, and he makes it work and he gets to, you know, maybe make another title run. We'll see. We'll see. All right, Sean, I think that's going to do it for, uh, this episode of the King's Beat. You got anything? You got any final thoughts? I yeah, I got to. I'm going to frame a tweet by Halsey, the pop singer, who uh, I have a major crush. In fact, oh, we're not on. I heard about it. Not using. She's. I may she's have behind, seen this. She's shot. behind my back over here. But yeah, she has her own basketball account. She's a diehard Laker fan, and she. Uh, it's Halsey and one or something like that, and she's a huge Laker fan. She was courtside the other night with the Pistons, and I think I'm going to frame this uh, tweet that she sent out, even though it isn't about me. Uh, but Cade Cunningham came barreling towards her 
at uh, a point at her midcourt seat. And uh, if you saw it, I retweeted it. I had too many people, they know me too well, too many people sent it to me. And uh, <laughs> it might be the best thing I've seen in a while because with her saying uh, Cunningham came barreling into my lap. Oh, she says, guys, I wish I had the video of Cunningham barreling into my lap, LOL. I said, yeah, me too. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> Sean, celebrity crush, one of, many. one of many. <laughs> one of many. Shout out Rihanna. There, there we go. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Beat Podcast. Uh, once again, don't forget, we're going to have the Zoom happy hour on Thursday from 5.30 to 7. Super excited. Hang out, ask questions. Sean and I will tell stories. Um, I don't, you'll get to see more of my bar. Uh, I don't know. We'll have a good time. So thanks for, and that is for all of our premium subscribers so far. So uh, really excited about that. If you're not already a subscriber to the Kings Beat, jump on board. We're doing amazing things here, having a good time, talking basketball. Uh, so again, for Sean Cunningham, I am James Ham. Thanks for tuning in to the Kings Beat Podcast. We'll see you later in the week.